All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast where we dive in on love, lust, science, dating, philosophy, psychology, all that stuff relates. It all matters. Uh, but hit that subscribe button, hit that bell button if you're tuning in on YouTube. If you're watch, uh, listening to us on iTunes or Spotify, I would appreciate it if you could leave me a five-star review on there and let us know what you think of the podcast. And um, let me know what other topics you guys want to hear on the show. So. Today is just going to be a solo episode. I don't normally do these solo episodes uh, too often. I do mostly interviews on this channel, but I do switch it up here now and then because, you know, sometimes I have to get some stuff off my chest, some things that I need to say. And there's been a lot been going on in the world, and I figured, you know, today was kind of a time to do that. So, um, yeah, lots has happened. I mean, I can't remember the last time I did a solo. I think it must have been in either February or March, it was definitely pre-COVID. And so a lot of a lot of stuff is gonna a lot of stuff has happened. So I gotta get off all this out of my mind and off my chest. And so um, obviously with the whole coronavirus thing, things are slowly opening up here in Canada. I live in Toronto, so we are in phase two of reopening this uh, Friday, I believe. And so that means barbershops, bars and other restaurants are going to be able to open up and have a patio service but not um, no no more groups than uh, larger than 50 i think uh, for gathering and so things like that um obviously the unemployment rate has jumped to 13 percent here in canada i don't know what it is in, in the u.s i think the last time i checked it was close to 14. Um, obviously trillions of dollars in printed money um, real estate is slotted to go down you know within the next six months i'd say um, and I avidly watched that market because I, for, for most of you guys who don't know, I used to be a real estate agent. I had a flipping company before I started uh, creating content and everything. So um, I do still watch the real estate market. And if, if any of you guys are interested in that, um, it's now is the time to get some eyes on there because there's going to be a lot of things happening in the market. There's going to be a lot of corrections. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out in the next, I'd say, six to eight months in the in specifically the real estate market, just because yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like there's going to be a lot of new new things that are going to be implemented just because of, uh, you know, how things are going. Um, you know, obviously, the stock market is is experiencing another dip right now. Uh, Bitcoin, extremely volatile, and, and that, too, has been kind of going down as well. Bitcoin is, is interesting, though, because, I mean, with the whole the having situation, people thought that Bitcoin was actually going to jump up and uh, it was going to break that 10k mark and even go back up to what it was before um but when what happens is when the fed prints a bunch of money the it, it confuses buyers it confuses buyers into thinking that this money is going to save them and really the money is being printed for these big companies and and it's not really for the little guys on the bottom and so that creates a lot of you know scarcity and worry in the market and that's why you're seeing some of these dips and we're we're looking to jump into more of like a bearish territory with that so um anyhow you know with the whole uh regulation and i and i i did remember an article back in 2018 where you know trump said something about how uh, he wants to go after the Bitcoin market for regulation and yada, yada, yada. So, um, yeah, he definitely, I think the there, there's something going to be going on around that. So I think uh, Bitcoin might even experience another 
dip. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, in, in that sense in terms of the money aspect of coronavirus. But then in terms of like the social aspect of coronavirus, you know, obviously I work in the relationship field. So, you know, dating has been uh, put on hold for a bit. A lot of people are doing, you know, virtual meetups and, and you know, virtual coffees or whatever, virtual dates. Um, I've heard of couples not even actually seeing each other just because of uh, the, the whole coronavirus thing. Maybe they live with family or friends and they could be at high risk to, uh, I guess, tr transfer along. And so there, there's just been a lot of shifts happening. And obviously with people going through divorce right now and being at home, um, that could be a tricky time. And so the coronavirus has definitely left its mark on a lot of us. And it's, it's, it's definitely going to leave a, a huge impact on our lives moving forward. So um, everyone is going through a lot of stress right now, a lot of turmoil, and I get it. Um, and, and, and this whole coronavirus thing is just uh, another way for us to kind of add to that confusion. And then let's add more fuel to the fire, right? Like uh, the whole, you know, the death of, uh, you know, Maude, Arbery, George Floyd, Brown Taylor, I can go on and on. But, you know, obviously, like at the end of the day, racism is wrong. And, you know, I, I, I loved seeing the whole BLM Black Lives Matter movement get stronger because, you know, I, I too, I remember at the beginning, I was victim to uh, believing in this notion of all lives matter. Like it was it was kind of, you know, why are we singling out a, a single race? And obviously with being more in tune with, uh, you know, social aspects of life and opening my mind to such things, um, I started to have these conversations that I realized that uh, we need to pay more attention to the things that are going on in our world and not turn a blind eye to, to it too much. Because, we, I mean, at the end of the day, we people, we seek pleasure and we avoid pain. So obviously, when we turn on the news, the... I guess if a healthy person would want to uh, avoid it just because they um, know that how much pain and stress and distraught it can or worry it can bring you. Um, but what I'm glad to see is people not turning a blind eye, people coming together and, you know, sticking up for the black culture because or, or and, and our black people, because at the end of the day, like I said, racism is wrong. We can't single out a single race uh, for for whatever it is, and, and we can't sing, single out a certain gender either. And we're going to get to a little bit about that uh, later in this podcast because I have something to talk about that. Um, but you know, I've I've been I've been never one to shy away from Black culture. In in Toronto over here, it's it's super multicultural. And I mean, in in high school alone, I feel like I've been to over thirty countries. And just speaking to people in my high school, everyone came from all walks of life. And it doesn't mean that racism doesn't happen here in Toronto. It happens a lot. Like being being in the, uh, one of the only Asian kids growing up in a mostly white suburb, I was the only pretty much Asian kid on sports teams growing up. And uh, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it made me very angry and very violent because um, obviously in a sport where you can fight and hockey, um, it was easy for me to turn vicious towards somebody who is showing uh racism towards me i mean i would get called ching a lot and you know some of the, some of the guys that um that did that i i really wanted to beat them in the face like i really 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 wanted to hurt them and i can only imagine um just 
for me going through that and then the experience of everybody else having to endure that for the rest for their, their entire lives maybe their mom and the and their grandparents have been through uh slavery sorry the great grandparents and their grandparents have been through slavery and and so you know i can only imagine the years of pain that they had to endure just to be reminded of that right like someone li being lynched oh, basically being lynched in in open public right eight minutes and 46 seconds it was uh cop had his uh, had his knee on his neck and so you know it, it's I, I i can't even say and jump in and say anything about that so i feel like everything that's going on right now is justified and uh you know without getting too emotional because it does bring up a lot of um i guess personal issues but not only that but like it's it was tough watching that video it it was really really tough watching someone um scream for help and nobody come to his aid and uh because man i just i i wouldn't know what it would feel like uh to be in that situation when and and nobody kind of helped me out of there um but moving on uh, to wrap that part up, I think it, it's great that the Black Lives Matter movement is getting stronger. People are starting to be more awoke or more awake to the idea and more woke to, you know, certain topics like this, which is which is important uh, because we need to have a deeper understanding of, of what the world is going to be like for the future because we have either children we have to look after or we have uh, ideas of starting a family. So all of this stuff is going to make is gonna is gonna make sense to you more so later on when you have children or when you start a family. Um, so moving on, I'm I'm half done writing my next book actually. I haven't figured out uh, the title of what it is gonna be yet. I think I have a couple ideas, uh, but I'm gonna run it um, by some of the groups so and get some I guess collective ideas and and some brainstorming done because it's it's gonna be an important book and I think it's it's definitely gonna be. Uh, it's going to be an eye-opening book because a lot of the men in my group, they definitely suffer from, um, I guess, just being brainwashed from a lot of what society has told them to, to believe or to think. And it's going to be about the history of marriage, our, our culture today, what it looks like. It's, it's, why, it, it's basically the reason why men don't feel the need to tie the knot anymore. They're really scared of getting married. They're really... Uh, tired of the justice system and the court system kind of screwing them around. And not only that, there's evil women out there and that that can manipulate the system and 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 just totally take advantage of of, of a man in this situation. So uh, that book is definitely going to tie into a lot of these topics. I'm going to try to explain the phenomena that's going on right now um, in regards to intersexual dynamics. I mean, this is this is definitely one uh, for the men only. My third book is going to be for women, basically touching on these subjects, but definitely uh, changing up some of the vocabulary because some of the wording that we use in the quote-unquote manosphere, um, it's a little bit different than what uh, women are used to. They're, they're, they're not, it's not flattering, to tell you the truth. So the third book is not going to be watered down or diluted or anything. It's just going to have vocabulary that's suited for a woman reader. Uh, but this book is definitely for the men uh, because, you know, at, I mean, as much as we all want everything to be equal, as much as we all want equal rights and values and yada, 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 um, what I won't see beyond is our differences. 
And as much as we are, yes, similar in nature and, and our worth and our value, I don't see us being equal in that regard. I, I just, I wish more people would argue or at least not argue, but be, at least be open to the idea that there's another school of thought around this. And if there is another school of thought around this, um, how can I, how can I approach that with the right understanding? Because I had a comment the other day, um, you know, that we're all worth the same value, therefore we should all be equals. And yes, that conceptually, that's a beautiful concept. And conceptually, communism is a beautiful concept. And conceptually, you know, there's there's other things that are beautiful concepts, but what happens in the real world is not what we conceptualize it to be. Of course, we all wish it to be like that. But the equalism argument has already been done to death. There's there's a difference in the sexes that when it comes to these things, and we cannot promote a utopian society based off of egalitarianism. It's, it's basically a disillusionment. It's a lie. It's a manufactured lie. If you look in, in the more of the Scandinavian countries where egalitarianism is more prevalent, you'll see even more of a parity between the sexes. You'll see the Scandinavian women, I guess, dress more feminine and you'll see men be more masculine it's just the way it is the more you try to force something the, the opposite reaction is going to occur and and that's always standing the test of time you know so with all that being said i guess the idealism of of equal of egalitarianism it, it sort of destroyed this concept of of what built our country of uh, what built North America. And it's the fabric of, of family, the fabric of where we came from, all based off of the idea and concept of family and what keeps a family together. And so that's what this country, uh, that's what all of North America was built on. Obviously, we had roots in in violence, don't get me wrong, in oppression and, and taking over people's uh, livelihoods and invading. And yes, it was not a beautiful thing, but it paved a way for this huge social experiment that we're experiencing here on uh, in North America, in the westernized world. And, you know, I would argue that in, in the 60s, I guess when, when second wave feminism hit, you know, we, we had we had one we had way, we had ways of dealing with certain things okay and one way of dealing with reproduction was usually in the hands of men and men held all these rights but now it's flip-flopped okay and i would argue that in the 60s with second wave feminism i believe the introduction of the birth control pill uh, women now held most of all the rights to reproduction and now that we've progressed beyond that Women have now uh, become breadwinners. They have now uh, become more independent. They also um, get more access to the children in courts. They're just more favored that way. So in, in the sense of, or in the world of, of reproduction, in, in, in the rights to reproduction, it's flip-flopped. Women now have all the control. Women have taken um, it upon themselves to create things that will control this idea. So the birth control pill, um, abortion laws, test tube babies, in vitro fertilization, surrogacy. 
So all of this has created um, a way for women to ultimately rid themselves of their existential fear, which is uh, having a baby that they don't want. Okay, so back in the day when women got raped, they were, they were obviously, there was no uh, way to have an abortion back then. And so they were forced to carry this baby of a man that they don't even want to have the child of. And so this is where, you know, the reproductive rights argument came into play for women during the 60s. And this has given so much control and so much power over to our women uh, and giving virtually none to the men. And so what has happened since then because of this? So when we fast forward to modern day society, you know, we're in the year 2020 now, um, the way we view relationships has completely changed. I mean, polyamory is a thing now. Um, I think it's called ethical non-monogamy now. Um, the idea of of a family is now essentially a myth. It's 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 a it's a mythological creature. I mean, the the the, the traditionalism of family has lost its appeal to uh, modern day society just because of how things, how evolution and how technology has progressed. Okay, and getting rid of a woman's existential fear, where oh, I can have multiple partners, I can I can be promiscuous, I can um, basically there's a cream and a pill that can solve everything for me and there's abortion now, I can do whatever I want without any repercussion and so that's allowing women to have um, an exit strategy for their poor sexual choices. And so there's this argument where if we are equal then then women should be as allowed to have as many sexual partners as she wants and men should have as many sexual partners as, as she wants but what society kind of has already told us and what is it what is it what it's already kind of shown us um, is that men don't lose appeal for their notch count women lose appeal for their notch count and i don't know if this is a psychological thing or a biological thing whatever it is there's a reason for certain i guess energy to exist that's what we call the zeitgeist of the world and when you keep up with things of that nature you could be totally far off from this and have no clue what i'm talking about but if you pay attention to the zeitgeist of the world and you pay attention to certain little subtleties in the way that men and women interact with each other, especially in the in the field of intersexual dynamics. When you pay attention, you can see how men have been emasculated. You can see in the way that women treat men and view men these days, we've been emasculated. And so, yes, things have flip-flopped. We have um, a, a severe insecurity while men and men do in, in this area of life now, especially after having gone through a divorce or if they're going through a second divorce and or they're going keep going into the same problems over and over again. And so if that's the case, um, you know, I I can only shed light on this topic. And if if I can open the doors for people to walk through and learn about these kinds of things. It'll help them understand 
the the way the world is working right now and how women respond or how men respond to certain things so um i get it because women were so disenfranchised we you know men oppressed them for you know thousands of centuries and uh you know it's not to say that there wasn't a time in history where women weren't allowed to have uh, certain rights and access to things that men only had access to back in the day which which in terms of royalty only men were allowed to be kings but it, that wasn't true in korea there was this uh, there was a period in time in in their kingdom where uh back to back to back there were three queens and so it's not uncommon for our society to have a civilization where we did put women first where we where was a gynocentric social order where we did put the the rights and 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 wants of women before ours and so that's what has happened since the 60s and so we've become used to this but what happens is women secretively unknowingly it's not like they wanted for this to happen they unknowingly pushed us to the edge and it's become uh to the point where now men have started their own movements and their own collectivism to uh, i guess push back against some of uh, the ideals that gender feminism actually put, portrays on 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 some of us and um, so if you guys are tuning in, put your questions in the comments. I'm going to love to hear what you guys think about certain topics like this. So it can help me add content to my book. Um, so, you know, that's not what we have out there right now. And, and I would argue that most men out there uh, want a feminine woman. And most feminine women out there want a masculine man. And, and that's, that's not what we have out there. We don't have, we don't, we have a lot of, feminized men and a lot of masculinized masculinized women walking around and it reverses the polarization in our relationships and what that does is later when you know our inhibitions get lost or if we ever have a an argument and our inhibitions are lowered our true nature comes out and we'll say things and we'll do things that we don't mean and we wonder why we did it and it's because we're we have this idea of society in one side and then we have this idea of nature on the other side and we don't know how to you know jump back and forth or control one of the urges one one side of the urges and and basically the, the people who who know what they're doing um sorry the people who don't know what they're doing they actually don't know what they're doing wrong it's very confusing for them they they have no idea that that everything that they've been taught since school, since birth, since, you know, all the things that they hear in media, the, the music, the lyrics, uh, the things that they watch on TV, they have no idea that that has shaped and molded so much of what they are ought to be in relationships. And then when they actually get into relationships, it never ends up being that way. And so basically like i said the people don't know what they're doing wrong they really they really don't know what they're doing wrong um so some of us um in the manosphere have, have conceptualized this thought for a very long time we've, we've we've discovered well i've discovered a pattern that other men have discovered back you know in in the early 90s i guess the pickup artists have been doing this um they, they've been studying it's been a it's been a loose science okay so let, let's back up actually um most most of my listeners don't even know what the red pill is and i never knew what the red pill was either 
um, when I first started out in the relationship coaching area, you know, there was a lot of stories I had to listen to. I mean, I, I run a group of divorced fathers. There's over 3,700 people in that group. And they come from all walks of life, all different types of situations, poor, rich, black, white, Asian. They, it, there's, it, it's, it's a melting pot. And so, but, but, but one commonality is that we're all men. And all of our situations and all of our stories and all of the, the, the types of problems that we run into, okay, all have an underlying reason. And so as a researcher or as a, a person who wants to get to the bottom of why these things happen, um, as I listened to these men's stories, it, it, I, I wandered down a path and this path led me to this book and this book led me to this and this book led me to that. And basically what I understand this to be uh, and what the manosphere calls it is the red pill. It's a loose science. Okay. And um, it shouldn't be actually considered an actual philosophy because there's no um it's obviously it, it's in its infancy stages so there's no way that we can philosophize this idea so to, so to say because there's too many i guess like axioms and and too many other things to take into consideration so i consider it a loose science um rollo a, a guy who i actually listen to a lot um he talks it he, he refers it to it as a praxeology and and what that is is it, it gives us a way to explain uh, with certain concepts that are coming into play because obviously there's new things coming into play right now in terms of intersexual dynamics and so the way that we explain things it needs wording and so with this wording we are we're now able to i guess verbalize what's going on in our minds and, uh, and what's going on in, inside of a guy's head and also verbalize what's going on inside of a woman's head so like I said, this is more of a, a loose science. It's more of a praxeology more than anything. It's a, it's a way for us to get some base understanding of, of some of the issues at hand. And it's a serious issue. I mean, um, you know, I could go on and on about, about how it accepts, how it, sorry, how it upsets a lot of my friends who are, who are feminists. And they believe in, in, in e equality and egalitarianism. And, and I get it. They're, their ego investments are have been have been set since birth. They've been they've been constantly groomed and conditioned to think this way. And so of course they're not going to give that up. Of course they won't. It's their livelihood that they're trying to protect. Maybe their maybe their lives reflect something that's already going on right now and they don't want to be found out. And maybe it's shameful for them. Maybe it's embarrassing. Um, but you know what? It's too late for that already because we've already figured this out. It's been happening since the early, like, I would say the late 90s and early 2000s. You know, a lot of what the red pill teaches you is very unflattering for women. And so, you know, the women that I've had conversations with behind closed doors, they all agree with, you know, some of the truths that we said. They also have a lot of backlash um, from, from some of the things that I say. And I, I you know that saying where it says uh, it takes a village to raise a child? So that that saying has been, I guess, I would argue one of the single most reasons uh, why the father is now, uh, the father was being eliminated from the family picture. Because in the early 90s, when there was a problem with fatherlessness and, and, uh, and, and such, um, there was no way to protect the mothers. And I get that. Um, so 
what happened is uh, what women naturally do is they band together, they create coalitions and they create, you know, these collectivist groups and um, something that uh, men hardly do. We, we rarely do this. Men, women are way better at doing this. And they create these bands of support for, for the distressed women. And, um, you know, so rarely do we see support groups for men. Um, that's why I get a lot of praise for putting something, putting something like this together because we don't really rarely see it, but we see a lot of, you know, I guess collectivism inside of uh, women, and and this this is the reason why, uh, essentially, society views men and fathers in a very bad light. Okay, some bad apples ruined it for a, a bunch of us basically, and because of that, it set precedents in our courts. Okay, and you know, generally back then, uh, men were the breadwinners, and and that's where you know the precedence of child support and alimony got, you know, ingrained, and and uh, because there was a lot of fathers leaving the house, and they would not take responsibility, and so the women were like, how am I supposed to raise this baby? And so, uh, child support, alimony, all that stuff got into thing. But what we have to understand is that um, women weren't oppressed back then. Okay, they had all the opportunity in the world um, to to make as much money as as the men did back then. Um, but what they what what they held on to was this idea of feminism, and the feminism ideal is you know we're the victims, right? We're the oppressed ones. And what happens is every single time you know let's say she let's say the woman cheated, and the man decided to leave her, okay. Um, in court, she is still entitled to uh, the child support if she has the uh, has the kids because of just the set precedents. And and not only that, there's a, there's a bigger thing going underneath the surface, and I'm not going to get to that now. But um, we have essentially let that victimhood uh, take place and be and we're and be okay with it. So men, we sucked it up. And we said, okay, you know what? If we want to leave this family, then we got to pay the child support and we're out of here. And so for guys, it was like, all right, whatever. As long as I can stay away from this, this cheating woman, um, that I'm all for it. And so this, so we, we essentially gave up too. So there's a bit of ownership that men have to take on this kind of notion. So, but like I said, generally men were the breadwinners back then. And that's where these precedents came into fact. Now women have equal opportunity. So they're able to make as much money as we are. They're, you know, be an independent woman, you know, femme empowerment, all that stuff, right? And, and you, they could do whatever they want. And, and, and now we see some cases where, you know, what we call spousal support now um, goes to the men. It's not uncommon now. So the idea of child support and alimony payments, where did that all come from? Like men didn't, we didn't think of this, right? It was more of a, a feminine uh, or, or um, I'm not blaming women. I'm saying it's more of a feminine idealism where this came from okay and i'll explain uh, I, I can't explain why i said i was about to explain why i can't explain why on this podcast because um it would take a whole episode to, to talk about that um, but without getting too far into it, 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 it i mean this the idea of hypergamy women have a dualistic mating strategy it's just totally separate from what a male goes through they either mate sideways or up they have to always preserve what they've built up into that point. That's what hypergamy is. That's what the dualistic mating strategy of a female is. This is what the sisterhood protects. This is what they don't want men to know. But with 
all of social media, it this comes to the surface and we can't evade it anymore. We can't deny the existence of it. There's um, people um, in rap industry where women are now coming up and, and teaching women how to, you know, take advantage of men basically. Okay. And, and, and that is, is what I call open hypergamy and, and where this dualistic mating strategy is actually coming to the surface. Okay. And this is where I presume the idea of child support and alimony came from. Okay. This, it conceptualized from this idea of if this guy leaves me, I need to be provided with what is equal to me, even though I, I did nothing to add to the relationship monetarily and I may have caused the breakdown, right? Like what if the woman cheated and she was a stay at home mom and did nothing but raise the, the child, but she was at home most of the time when the kids are at school. And so she did nothing for those hours. Um, and, and yet we have to come save her for that. And so I don't see the fairness if, if we're promoting equality and things like that. If, if feminism is, 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 essentially for equality, then why is there such a parity in the way that we handle legalities in divorce and marriage and things like that? So in my opinion, I don't think the government or yeah, any religious, uh, I guess, organization should be controlling marriage, in my opinion. Um, so anyhow, this is what I presume the idea and concept came from of, of hypergamy and where uh, how that bleeds into our child support and alimony laws. All right, so that that's a whole new topic. If you guys want to, you know, I guess dive more into this, um, I could talk a little bit more about that. Um, but, you know, to leave it more on a positive note, we have been moving into a more forced, equal shared parenting kind of avenue, which is great. I think we should force parents to come together to raise the child. It studies, numerous studies have shown that it's so much more beneficial to have the man and the woman, the mother and the father in the child's life uh, to raise the most healthiest child. Okay. And, and, and it, the studies have obviously, you know, proven that. So anyhow, It'll be interesting to see how the next 10 to 20 years plays out in terms of how we date and how we mate. And so, yes, this little uh, podcast episode was a little bit of a book promotion because my book will be talking about all of this, all of that. I'm talking literally about all of the underbelly and the ugliness of what is, is happening in, in terms of sexual dynamic, intersexual dynamics and, and how we mate and how we strategize our mating. And so... Stay tuned for that. If you guys are interested in knowing a little bit more of uh, the book, I'm going to be putting out a free chapter on green flags in relationships. So it's not just about the, the, the dark side of things. Obviously, you have to combat the dark side with the lights, the, the, the positive notes. And so um, I'm going to be uh, releasing one chapter soon um, for everybody to kind of uh, wrap their heads around and see if I have anything to add to that. But the green flags of relationships, right? There's a lot of red flags that we talked about and how we can spot these red flags. And we, we touched a little bit about them here in this episode, but no one really talks about the green flags of relationships. What things that we should look for are people awake to the idea of marriage now and uh, understanding what it entails and how it affects us in the future.
Um, so, you know, I do see more men and women coming to the table to have these discussions. So I find uh, a lot of gratitude in that because before it would just be, you know, MGTOWs and feminists, gender feminists at each other's throats, calling each other's names um, and, and creating this idea that all men are like this and all, all women are like that. And, uh, you know, obviously there are some things that we need to understand about the female nature, but it doesn't mean that uh in in modern day society with the invention of or with the with the whole concept of neuro neuroplasticity and being able to create new neural pathways and tissues brain tissues and uh new habits and create new new formations of certain things i think you know we're headed into an area where a lot of the old archaic books and a lot of the old archaic teachings don't necessarily apply to it us anymore okay but we do have to respect the roots we do have to respect where a lot of these ideals and these, um, I guess, morals and values came from, okay? We have to definitely pay homage to that, but not get rid of some of the things that are working, okay? But, and also pay attention to the things that aren't working. Um, so yes, it is overbearing uh, to talk a little bit about this stuff. It's not uh, flattering for a lot of people. And regardless, we can't keep shoving these issues under a rug, right? And you see what happened with the Black Lives Matter movement when we keep shoving things under a rug. It's obvious now there are things being too blatant, blatantly in our face now that to to ignore. Okay, and it's it's um, it's time to address some of these issues, and and that can cause a rift uh, between us and and the future of our society. So um, I'm gonna wrap it up there. If you guys uh, enjoy this content then definitely subscribe to uh, the channel. I will be putting out more of these types of videos. Obviously, this is a podcast format, so there's really no editing in, in this. I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, but the other stuff, I'm going to be coming out with a little bit more, I guess, planned content. And if that's the case, um, stay tuned. There's going to be a lot more interesting things on the horizon. And um, definitely stay tuned for this book. I haven't decided what I'm going to call it yet, but it's going to talk a lot about what we just talked about in here, hypergamy and uh, the red pill, fatherlessness, um, green flags, red flags, how feminism and how the black pill of MGTOW can destroy you. And um, yeah, that's all I got for you guys. All right. So stay tuned for some more content. I appreciate all of you. Uh, that's and, and, and just keep leading with your best foot forward. Never give up hope. Rob, your host, signing off. Peace out.